And welcome into this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists, their Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is the chief, Graham Marsh. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Graham, how are you, my friend? Oh, not too bad, sir. Not too bad. I also didn't realize I was just about to sit in the squeakiest chair in all of 1010XL. But... Yeah, I actually think you're a little taller than me in that chair, too. I'm not <laughs> sure how that makes me feel, to be honest with you. But You uh, and Denny with the chair height thing. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Denny's out this week, obviously. Graham is in. All right, so it's been, golly, three weeks almost, I guess, since Florida has played a football game. We've tried to erase the bowl game from our mind. Yes, we have. Because it was a bad situation. Recruiting has come and gone, at least the December signing period. We're in the midst of the transfer portal. You are a UF alum. I am. You, uh, Class you are of 2020. Kind of the voice of the Gator fan, the young Gator fan. Why are so many Gator fans up in arms, Graham Marsh, about the situation going on with Graham Mertz? the new quarterback out of the transfer portal. People just don't seem to be happy about what's transpiring right now. Well, I think the first thing is something you and I know very well is Gator fans have unbelievably high expectations, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. whether it, it can be it can be constantly debated how fair those are, whether they're unfair, whether they're completely unfair or or they are where they should be. And I think the answer is somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, but we know that Gator fans have ridiculously high expectations. Gator fans expect to be Alabama. They expect to be Georgia. They expect to be Ohio State level program. On well, the field, because they were correct. I mean, fifteen years ago, they right. were that exactly, and they were they were the cream of the crop in that too. In that the middle of the two thousands, there wasn't a better program than than the University of Florida. They weren't just in that conversation; they were the top of that conversation. And then obviously with Spurrier, they were they were great during the Spurrier years. So ever since then, I think Florida fans have thought this is who we are. This is the type of program we are. And, you know, but y- you know how college football works. It's a momentum sport. Y- y- you hire bad coach after bad coach after bad coach. Eventually, you're not going to be in that category anymore. Mm-hmm. So but every new coach that Florida hires, the fan base expects them to restore them to that to that new high. We don't know if Billy Napier is going to be that or not. What we do know is he has not done that yet, and what we do know is it's probably going to take some more time. Well, the concerning thing, all right, so we talk about quarterbacks entering the transfer portal. When Devin Leary entered the transfer portal from NC State, we thought, yeah, there's an accomplished guy who was the quarterback of a ranked team in the ACC, would be a great fit for Florida. Not only does he not go to Florida, he goes to Kentucky. So you have to play right. him next year. All the Sam Hartman rumors Sam Hartman did indeed enter the portal, and he committed to Notre Dame officially yesterday. So Sam Hartman's not coming to Gainesville. Um, There was talk about the Tulane quarterback, McCall at Coastal Carolina, all these different quarterbacks, Cam Rising. from Yeah, I mean, all these different guys, and yet you end up with Graham Mertz. And nothing against Graham Mertz, but if you talk to any Big Ten fan, any Wisconsin fan, they do not have a lot of flattering things to say about Graham Mertz. Now, I guess the question is, Marsh, is he is Graham Mertz 
just a guy until Jaden Rashada gets ready. I mean, or is Graham Mertz the guy in 2023? I mean, I think that's kind of where you are at this point. That That is where you are at this point. And I think with the portal, you've, you as a fan, you you kind of hope that the experienced guy is the better guy because you'd probably, you know, going to Utah, going to Salt Lake City, Utah to start the season, do you want a guy whose last game was in high school starting that? Obviously not. So you that, want a guy a good, who's played college football. Quickly, that's a good point. You're in Salt Lake City. It's going to be a night game. That place, I can't even begin to imagine when the last time a Southeastern Conference team was at Utah. Oh, my God. That, that place is going to be unbelievable it on is. Labor Day weekend. I mean, Graham Mertz has to start that game. Has to. Has to. There, there's no other way around it. Right. And and with the portal, as a fan base, you have come to expect that you can always have somebody with a little bit of experience starting games like that. Because you can go get somebody from somewhere else, even if your guy has left for the draft or graduated or whatever. And... It, it is tough also with the portal because, you know, it used to be when the only guys you were going to get to play quarter, quarterback, especially other positions, but really quarterback, it, you know, if if your rival goes and gets a, a recruit that's higher ranked or whatever, you can kind of sit there and say, okay, well, you know, you don't totally know, you know, they still got to play the games, they still got to show up and play college football, you're not totally sure. But when you've watched a guy play college football, you are a little more sure. And and to, to go back to your earlier point about why Florida fans are so upset, it's exactly what you said. When you hear names like Devin Leary and Cam Rising and Grayson McCall and uh, Sam Hartman and Sam Hartman, it's, and you you know these guys are ballers. And then you get a guy that, from everything we've seen, is not a baller. <laughs> it's like... Florida fans are going to be upset about that, and it's it's a it's much harder to spin than a high school guy. Well, look, they've had twenty two guys enter the portal. Uh, they have not brought. I mean, I think as of last count, they have like four guys that are coming in from the portal: um, a defensive tackle, a linebacker, another defensive lineman, and Mertz, the quarterback. I don't think I'm missing anybody. So obviously, they're going to need to add more guys out of the portal. This portal window is only open now for another what week. Gonna have, I guess, the 18th, whatever that is. We're recording this, so almost two weeks, a little under two weeks. So they have time, but the 22 guys that have left, look, a lot of those guys weren't gonna play anyway, but there were some guys that are, were gonna play. Tarquin, Ethan White, Trevez Johnson, Donovan McMillan. Are you surprised that guys that played this year were probably gonna be starters next year decided to leave Gainesville? I am shocked. Um, Maybe not, maybe not so much McMillan and Johnson, because you are bringing in a pretty loaded DB class. Um, Corey Raymond's done a phenomenal job recruiting there. On the offensive line, you're talking. About, I know Tarquin was was hurt during the year a little bit, and, and he would have battled with Austin Barber of course, there. Right. Yeah. But you would imagine, unless I'm missing somebody, whether it be left or right tackle, the two of those guys were going to be your starting tackles, correct? I mean... Certainly in the mix. Right. Barber was going to start on one side, and whoever, pretty much whoever lost the left tackle job was probably going to be your right tackle, yeah. more than likely. And and then Ethan White, it's like, what? what? And uh, He has not committed anywhere yet. And he's the guy that at least the conversation is, as at least the time you and I are talking... A lot of guys are entering the portal, but then withdrawing. Could Ethan White withdraw? 
that might be the one. We the sure longer so. we go without him committing. But I agree. That caught me off guard. You know, people talk about the running game next year, right? It's going to be centered around Montreal Johnson, going to be centered around, obviously, um, ETN, Trevor ETN. Here's the thing with that. Uh, the running game is only as good as the O-line. 100%. And as it stands right now, Osiris Torrance is gone. Tarquin's gone. Garage is gone. Ethan White is gone. You lost basically everybody from your offensive line this year, which is obviously now a pretty, pretty big concern. Extremely concerning. I mean, again, those were the first two guys that led. Again, Johnson and uh, McMillan definitely hurts to lose them, but I still wasn't like freaking out about those. When I heard Tarquin and Ethan White, I'm like, what? what's going on? Because... We uh, Dan Hicken mentioned this on the drill. He's mentioned it multiple times, and, and I think he's right. Billy Napier has been saying in terms of NIL stuff, he has said before, you know, we're not trying to buy players, but we, we're going to take care of who's here. Well, those two guys leaving is not indicative of taking care of who's here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're taking care of who's here, why are two of your, your guys that are clearly going to start in your offensive line leaving? Something's, something's up there. In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It, it caught me off guard as well. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. For the highest quality care, you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com. And you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good doctor, Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries and sports. It's not all doom and gloom. The Under Armour All-American festivities are in the books. By all accounts, I think they have like seven or eight Gators that are going to be there. All accounts, a lot of those guys had great weeks. Um, Collins, the big defensive tackle, Kelby Collins, had a great week. Rashada apparently had a great week. A lot of high marks for Jakeem Jackson. I was going to say Jakeem Jackson. Yeah, Jakeem Jackson's stock really rose. So, look. People want to knock Napier, and Napier did lose a lot of guys at the end, right? He was Ricks, the corner, Hall, the defensive tackle here out of Jacksonville. It did not end the way that Napier wanted it to end on the recruiting cycle. But let's not forget that they brought in a great class, arguably top 10, if not just outside the top 10. And a lot of those guys that they brought in are going to be playing for them in 2023. And other than um, the... Who's the the guy that flipped to UCF? Other oh than, wow, yeah, uh, Isaiah. Um, yeah, I got Nixon, I believe. And there was a, there was a little something to that, but other than that, they really didn't have any flips or decommits or anything. No. The guys that signed, even guys that signed, you know, months ago, or guys that committed, I, I'm sorry, months ago, signed with Florida. So, and a lot of guys, and a lot of teams were going full court press. I mean, Jakeem Jackson, oh yeah, Gene, the wide receiver, absolutely, Collins, a lot of those Eugene guys, Wilson, Eugene Wilson. You know, Florida, Florida State, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson were really coming after these guys, and Florida was indeed able to hold on to them. And that's that was big. That was big because well, I, I know the fan base is is a little bit sky is falling right now because of the portal QB situation and perhaps not getting as many high school recruits as you wanted. But imagine if imagine if Andy Jean went to FSU. Or Eugene Wilson left and went somewhere. Well, and people tend to forget this. And I've covered recruiting for so long uh, with Gridiron now and now with you know 1010 XL. They want the end to be the greatest part of the recruiting process. Right, right. They right. want signing day to have this guy put the Gator hat on and that guy put the Gator hat on. 
95%, or in this case for Florida, 100%, the hay is in the barn well before signing. Right, day. right, right. It doesn't have the the great ending that a lot of people want because all the work has already been done prior to that day. It's almost like an NFL free agency when even if your team's not really in a position to go sign a bunch of free agents, when it comes, you want them to. Yeah. Right, because you're seeing on Twitter, you know, this guy's going here, and this guy's going here, and this guy's going here, and naturally, it's it's human nature as a fan to be like, okay, where where are my guys? Where where are the where are the Gator hats? Well, the funny thing is too, to that point, if on signing day, Jaden Rashada committed to Florida, and Jakeem Jackson committed to Florida, hundred percent, and all those guys committed to Florida on signing day, the momentum would be unbelievable. And it, but because it, it, they committed three right, months ago. Right. It doesn't feel that great. And it's not, oh my God, what a signing day for Florida because, you know, those guys signed who are really good players. And it's like, eh, whatever, we already knew that. that, that that's 100% true. So, it, you know, G- Gator fan is always, all, is always going to hold the program to ridiculously high standards, whether it's fair or unfair. You, you know that, though, signing up to be the head coach of Florida. You, you know that day one that you're going to have unfair expectations from the fan base. Um, all that matters though is can you continuously can you continuously elevate the program in an upward trajectory that's my thing even if it takes a long time i'm okay with that but it has to continue to progress right if if this coming year they're no better on the field that's a problem mm-hmm. i'm concerned well yeah i mean they'd be 6 and 6 they need anything less than 8 and 4 i think people are going to be concerned i they, agree they and, and the problem is you look at the schedule it, it it's going to be hard to get eight wins. It's a tough schedule. They got a tough schedule, it's man. It's a tough schedule. There is no question. There's about not a that. lot of layups on that schedule. Let me ask you this, because I want to end with Georgia and the national championship game. Um, Mike White makes his return to Gainesville. Yep. Tomorrow we're doing this on Friday, so the Bo- Georgia Bulldogs come in and again not to spend too much time on basketball because they're seven and seven. They're zero and two in the conference. I don't know how much time they deserve, quite frankly. They just they can't shoot the ball at and all. Colin Castle's got to play better. Yeah, he, he's not he's not played super well. But but to your point, if you have a couple of guys shooting the ball better and you're spreading the floor a little bit, I think he would play better. So I mean, I I still like Todd Golden, but it's obvious that this year could be a long one. You probably need to win tomorrow though. If oh Mike God, White, yeah. oh my God, yeah, Georgia come into Gainesville and beat you, the people that still care about the Gator program right now are going to be like, what in the heck? Yeah. is going on. So from a PR standpoint, I guess, if nothing else, tomorrow is Todd Golden's biggest game as the Gator basketball coach. And from a narrative standpoint, too, you you cannot allow the guy that you just showed the door, basically, to come into your home arena and beat you. That That's not good. A lot of pressure. I mean, there is a lot of pressure <laughs> ton, on Florida tomorrow. It's easily the most pressure-packed game Todd Golden's face is the Florida and it's I don't even think it's particularly close and look give credit where credit's due I was never a Mike White guy for people that watch this podcast or listen to Hacker After Dark on 1010XL here in Jacksonville you'll know that I was never a Mike White guy but I am willing to admit that his first 15 games or so in in Athens clearly better than Todd Golden's first 15 games in Gainesville but but to that end, I don't think any of us ever said that Mike White was a terrible basketball coach. No. But, I just don't think he was a great fit, and he wasn't a very good recruiter, and there was a lot of yeah, other factors. of course. And, and listen, if you're just mediocre year after year after year, 
then a change of scenery for the program is not the worst thing, especially when they've when you've been there for a super long. It's not like Mike White was in Gainesville for two years and we showed him the door. Yeah, right. He was there for what eight, seven, something like, like seven or eight. Seven, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, if if it's been mediocre season after season, it might be time for a change. So Florida and Georgia tomorrow. Mike White returns to Gainesville, and like we talked about, probably a, a game Todd Golden needs to win, and uh, if you don't win that game and Mike White comes in and beats you, first off, you're under 500. you You'd be 0-3 in the conference, but that aside, the guy that the fan base wanted out just beat the guy that was hired to replace him. That would not be a good look. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist and Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. All right, Graham, let's, let's wrap with this. The Georgia Bulldogs, we won a game against Ohio State. They win it. TCU won a game against Michigan. They win it. That is the national championship game next Monday night. Georgia is a huge favorite in the game. Yeah. It's almost kind of a David versus Goliath. TCU with a first-year head coach. They're like a two-touchdown favorite. Yeah, like 12 and a half, 13 yeah. points. TCU, a first-year head coach, was below 500 last year. It'll be one of the great Cinderella stories in college football. With a quarterback that didn't start the season. Right. I love Max Dugan. Max Dugan's great. But they are playing the Georgia Bulldogs. And Georgia, the overwhelming favorite. And if Georgia wins, that would cap off 29-1 and in the last two years and back-to-back national championships. Your thoughts on the game Monday night? Uh, I Going back to the uh, semifinal this year, this is the best semifinal oh, that CFP has had. Both by, games were terrific. By a mile. It wasn't good for the... There's no point in having more than two teams crowd because what what a phenomenal two games, and one of the one of the teams that was not expected to win won in mm-hmm. TCU beating Michigan, and so, Georgia's darn lucky to have won. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you could absolutely argue that Ohio State was the better team that entire game, and Georgia, you know, Georgia pulled it out. They did what they needed to do, but still, um, in terms of uh, Monday night, I I kind of agree with Vegas. I think I think Georgia's probably gonna dominate them because Ohio State can Ohio State can five star with Georgia right they can talent on they can match with them mano a mano TCU can't I agree with that the one thing that gives me pause though we would have said TCU can't match five star for five star with Michigan that's fair and Michigan's offensive line was voted on as like the best offensive line in the country that's fair TCU dominated the line of scrimmage and when you have a quarterback like like Duggan and you got wide receivers like that, the Georgia secondary was bad they last were. week. That's I, true. I mean, Georgia, I, I'm going to pick Georgia to win. TCU's going to score, though. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. How important is the first, like, three to four drives? For, I think that's crucial. In general or for? Like, like, it, like obviously it, it matters for the game. But, like, I think in a game like this, where there's a narrative that one team might just steamroll the oh, other. For TCU to hang around. I always think the first three to four possessions yeah. are crucial. You know, if George, like Georgia might score, but is TCU making them work for it, or is Georgia four plays and in the end zone, right? And is TCU getting down the field and getting points? It, it might not be a, a tie game, you know, after the first quarter or whatever, but 
but are are they kind of matching each other? I, I think I always think for a game like this, when that's kind of a narrative going in, is that one team's significantly better than the other. Those first couple of drives mean everything. You know, and this is a topic for another day because we got to go quick here. We got about two minutes to go. We got the busiest guy at ten ten XL. Absolutely. With us. I mean, this guy is all over the place. <laughs> Nothing will happen, you know, in the near future because of the calendar. But what everybody's talking about, I mean, maybe because we're here in Jacksonville, but it's all NFL, all NFL, all NFL. I mean, it's Georgia playing. That's one of the teams that we cover. Is it an afterthought? Do people even realize that game is Monday night? I think in the city of Jacksonville, yeah. Because because of the Jaguars and because of the, the momentum the Jaguars have in the entire Southeast now, because we, we know how much the Southeast loves loves college football. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in the state of Georgia now. Because they're about to play for a national title, their their main team. Um, it's just I think specifically, you know, in this building and what we do, because the Jaguars are such a big focus, and in this city, I think that's that's the storyline. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest Jaguar home game, arguably since nineteen ninety six. I mean, it's but, it might be the biggest regular season game ever. Right. There is uh, no doubt about that. So you're picking Georgia. I am, uh, and I think the I think they'll win relatively handily. I I don't want that to happen, but I think they'll probably win by about ten. Yeah, uh, I kind of like that. I think Georgia wins the game, too, but I do believe it is a contest in the fourth quarter. He is Graham Marsh. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. This has been Gator Bites, the 1010XL.com podcast network, and also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. We will be back maybe next week, maybe in a couple of weeks. We'll check in with Denny Thompson's schedule. When you're helping Anthony Richardson train for the draft, you don't really know what the schedule is like, but we will be back soon, soon with another edition of Gator Bites right here on 1010XL.com.